good morning again and welcome to our 9.30 service. Uh, if you are a guest here, uh, thanks for being here. My name is David. I serve as a senior pastor here. Uh, and again, we appreciate you being here on Labor Day weekend. Johnny mentioned college football. Uh, one of the things I said last night at our Saturday night service uh, that I appreciate about the beginning of college football season is that's the time where we figure out on Saturday night who really loves Jesus. Um, <laughs> Uh, because, hey, it's, we, we meet in the middle of those games. So we actually had a couple, lat, just, I, I won't tell you who it was, but they walked in right before the message started uh, last night, Saturday night. Also happened to coincide with the Aggies scoring in overtime and the game being over, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what it was about, but uh, I'm glad that you are here this morning uh, on this Labor Day weekend. Uh, if you are a guest, we're going to do things a little bit differently today uh, because what I'm sharing with our entire church family is a mid-year, uh, a little bit past the, the mid-year state of the church report, and I'm also sharing with our church as we enter into the fall season, just a sense of who we are and where we're going. Uh, so I want to begin this morning by looking at these words from the Gospel of Matthew. These are the final three verses uh, from Matthew's Gospel. This is how the story of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection culminates in Matthew's story, with Jesus saying to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Again, this is the story of Jesus' life. This is how it comes to its fulfillment. It ends with Jesus saying to his disciples, this is now your responsibility. This is what I am sending you to do. You could, you could summarize it this way, that Jesus says at the very end, okay, it's your turn. Now go and change the world one life at a time. And, and I wanted to share that with you today because as you hear, uh, uh, understanding of where you are as a church family, as you hear about this year, what this year has been, where we're going, I want you to understand that what we do is not new. Uh, this isn't something we just came up with. We are a part of a heritage of faith, people who going back to thousands of years ago, a couple of guys uh, gathered on the hillside hearing this command from Jesus. We are doing what others have done before us. We are living into this vision, this calling of changing the world one life at a time. We're here because someone else did it for us. Someone else invested in us. Someone else made all of this possible and we now step into that legacy, the legacy of changing the world one life at a time. So for everyone who's here this weekend, everyone who may be watching online who's traveling this weekend, my hope, my prayer is that you'll leave with a clearer sense, a better sense of these two things, who we are and where we're going, who we are as a church family and where we're going as a church family. So I'm going to give you a couple of numbers uh, to help you understand uh, what has happened in the life of your church in 2016. I'm not going to show you complicated charts and graphs. I'm just going to give you four numbers to write down that speak to where we are as a family of faith, what has happened in the life of our church over the course of the first eight months of the year. But before I show those to you, I want to remind you where this year began for us. So think back to January, okay? Think back to what it was like to need a coat. 
coat when you left the house, okay? Think back to so, so long ago. This year began for us, if you're brand new, you wouldn't know this, but this year began for us with an unexpected announcement. Into January, Pastor Mike shared with our congregation, the bishop had asked him to step into a new uh, place of leadership. Pastor Mike had served this church for 21 years, 20 of those years serving uh, as the senior pastor. Uh, And and so I want to go back there to remind you, before you you look at what's happened in the life of your church, I want to remind you that this year began for us in, in a way we did not expect. This has been a year of change and transition for us. I want you to have that as the backdrop Uh, Again, as you hear what's happened in the life of your church over the course of these first eight months. So four numbers, this is all you got to remember. Here's the first one. The first one is 10%. What does 10% mean? 10% is the amount of growth that we have experienced in our average weekend worship attendance in 2016. Now, to put that in a different perspective, you don't have to remember this number, but just to kind of help you see what that means, that means that we have added over 200 people to our average worship attendance in 2016. You may not know, uh, the average United Methodist Church in America has less than 200 people in attendance total. That's how many you have added to this church family in the course of eight months. That gives you a sense of who you are, what is unique about the life of this church. The second number is 101. Has nothing to do with Dalmatians, but that may help you remember it, so I mention it to you. 101 is the number of new small groups that have started in the life of this church in 2016. It actually goes back to August 2015. We had 62 small groups meeting in the life of our church. When we did our church-wide study in the spring, you heard uh, both uh, Pastor Johnny and Pastor Sharon mention one that starts next week. But when we did that in the spring, we had 163 groups. We started 101 new groups. And how did we do that? It, we did that as you responded in faith and said, well, I can work a DVD player. I've got some friends, at least a couple. I mean, I can gather them together. I can, well, we can invest in this. And, and so many of you did that over 100 new groups were started. During the course of that study this last spring, we had 1,500 people who were involved in a small group over the course of that six weeks. Of course, we hope that with this new series, that number is going to increase. Not only the number of groups, but the number of people connected into a small group. That's a great testament to who you are as a family of faith. The third number is 3,100. It's actually 3,100 and change, but I thought you would remember 3,100 better. And I want credit for this because this is the only time in the history of the world that I know of that a pastor has rounded down. But I rounded down uh, there, okay? 3,100 is the number of people in our church who over the course of this year have participated in a serving opportunity, at least one serving opportunity in our community or in surrounding communities. 3,100 people in the life of our church have gone beyond just coming to church and have said, I want to put the faith that I have in action in serving and blessing my local community, surrounding communities. That's incredible. And, and, and what I want you to hear as you look at that is, is first, I want you to hear that this isn't new. It isn't like in the last eight months, like we just figured out like, oh, we should probably do something for the people. Who are... No, no, no. This is something that's been here for decades. 
This is something that is embedded in your DNA. This is something that's in the walls. I mean, you can't escape this. This is just part of the life, the heartbeat of this church. This, con- this conviction that loving God is not enough, that we need to be uh, in, in tangible ways loving others. When you look at our total worshiping congregation, those people who regularly worship here, uh, another thing you might think of when you see that number is that more than half of those who regularly worship here have participated in a serving opportunity over the course of 2016. That's incredible. That's incredible. Most churches would, would, would be so blessed. They, they would dream of, of having 30% or 40% of their church involved in that. More than half of you have done that. Have said, I want to take this to a next step. I don't want to do more than just attend church. I want to be the church in, in the world around me. Again, it's just a testament to who you are as a family of faith. The last number is 8.5%. And 8.5% is the increase in your financial generosity, the mission and ministry that we share. Now, the reason I wanted to share that number with you last is because I know for many of you, you're going to see that and you're going to go, well, I guess that's pretty good. I don't know. I mean, yeah, well, we've, it's gone up instead of down. I mean, I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's, that's about the most that many of you think about that. But I wanted to share it with you last because I want you to see that this has increased along with everything else that you see up here. I want you to understand that, that a, a church that is growing in worship, is growing in small group, is growing in service, all of those things are set free by a church that is growing in their commitment to sacrifice and to give. Because that's what sets free ministry. That's what sets free the, the dreams of God, a church that, that not only says, okay, well, I can open my home. And I can invite my friend to worship and I, I want to serve, but I'm going to invest in the ministry that we are a part of. And, and all of these things have grown in, in partnership with one another. They always do. The depth uh, of our commitment to the ministry that we share is what sets free the capacity of the ministry that we are able to do, not only here among us, but beyond the scope of our campus and our local community, surrounding communities, and in communities around the world. It's another way of saying to you and helping you understand that this is not, this is not your staff's success. You can't, we can't just point and go, well, that person, they did it. They, they. No, this is, this is all of you. This is your success. It's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to, to I- I- any one leader here. This is, this is you. This is what you have done. This is who you are as a family of faith. And the other reason that I mentioned January to you, and I took you back there that time that for some of you are like, wow, that was so long ago, I don't even remember that, is because I want you to understand, this should not have happened. Like, like churches that go through transition, this is not what happens. This is tremendous. And again, it speaks to who you are. It speaks to your faith. It speaks to your commitment to Jesus. It speaks to your devotion to the ministry that we share, the mission that we share, that you and a family of faith, as a family of faith, in a time where you would not expect this to happen, you've made this happen. It's not something that's built. These these numbers aren't the result of just eight months of work. These, these, These numbers are the result of decades of not only faithful leadership in the context of this church, but a church who has responded faithfully 
to the leadership that you have been given. I get the honor of sharing them, but, but these are yours. These belong to you. This is what you have done in the course of this year. Now, go back with me. Remember in the beginning who we are and where we're going. This is the goal, that you'd walk out with a clear understanding of these two things. You already got a sense of who we are when you look at those four numbers. I mean, it gives you a sense of what the church has done. But that's kind of the 50,000-foot view, okay? So I want to take you down to 35,000 feet. So prepare for the descent. Here we go. We're going down to 35,000 feet. And the reason I need to take you to this level is because I need to talk to you about a level of the church that most of you do not think about. And because you do not think about it, it's very likely that you're going to miss a real key component of who we are. Now, let me first tell you why you don't think about it. The reason you don't think about it is because when you connect with the church, you do it in a way that is based on the habits you have developed in the way you connect with the church. In other words, for most of you, if you made a decision last night to come to church, you didn't have to map out a strategy to do that, okay? Because you did the same thing you did last week, in the week before, in the week before, in the week before, in the week before, in the week before. You got up, maybe you had some breakfast, you got ready, you got in the car, you drove here. You didn't, <clears throat> you didn't need a map to get here. You went the same way you went the last week, and the last week, and the last week. You, you, you entered the parking lot, and you probably parked in the same part of the parking lot than you parked last week. You came in the same door that you came in the week before. You maybe had a cup of coffee, maybe went to the bathroom. I don't know what your routine is, but once you entered this sanctuary, you also sat in the same seat that you sat in the week before. I always think it's funny when I say to people, hey, I missed you in worship last week, and they said, how do you know? <laughs> it's pretty easy. I mean, really, you, you sit in the same seat. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Unless there's a guest in your seat and you ask them to move. Please don't do that. But, <laughs> but here's, here's the deal. Because you connect with the church through your own routine and habit, there's this, there's, there's everything outside of that routine and habit that you don't see. It's kind of out of sight and out of mind. You who come here regularly at 930 service, you have a sense of, okay, well, this is, this is what the church is. But what you may not see, and it's understandable that you don't see it, you don't think about it, you don't see everything that happens in the church that's outside of your routine and your habit. So on this level, I want to give you just two numbers that will help you understand the significance of this as it relates to our, our identity, who we are. Here's, here's the first thing. And just, if you would, hold on to your bottom of your pew for a second, because this is going to blow your mind, I promise. If you attend one of our largest services, which depending on the weekend, just so you know, it's either this service or our 11 o'clock service one of our largest weekend services. You, you attend those services and you think, wow, there's a lot of people here. This is big. This is, this is, wow, this is the church. This is great. And it is. It's amazing. It's wonderful. But if you attend one of those services, 70% of the people who will be in worship that weekend will not be in the room with you. They will attend at either a different time or perhaps in a different venue than the one that you are at that time attending. 
Another way of saying that is none of our services, the, 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 the attendance of those services, none of those services exceeds 30% of our total worshiping congregation we expect to welcome over the course of a particular weekend. Now, I got to tell you, I'm here all weekend, okay? <laughs> I see all this, and that number blew my mind. That even in, the, in, those, in those larger environments, like this what we have here at 930, 70% of the church, you don't even see them. Because they connect in the church, connect with the church in a way that is different than you. And so when we go back to those four numbers, 70% of the people who, who have participated in that, are, they're out of sight and out of mind. And yet they are, they're, they're a part of this, of this mission that we share. So here's the second number. The second number is four. And four is the number of worship communities that we welcome each and every weekend. One of them is you. So you're going to hear me talk about you and you're going to be like, hey, that's me. That's where I come. But there's three other communities that, that gather here each and every weekend that you may not know about. So I want to tell you a little bit about them. And the other thing I'm going to do today is I'm going to introduce to you with two of these communities some new language that you've never heard before. And the reason that we're doing this is to help our church understand what is so unique and what is so special about the life of this church. So we love the weekend, uh, which means that the weekend begins for us on Thursday. Uh, The weekend begins for us with Celebrate Recovery. Uh, This is Pastor Caesar, who serves as the lead pastor for our Celebrate Recovery community, along with uh, Debbie Black, who works in our pastoral care area. Karen Magoo uh, serves as the worship leader for our Celebrate Recovery community. Their worship time is Thursday night at 6.30. It's preceded by a meal they share together. They have breakout groups after the meal. I'm sorry, after the service, Celebrate excuse me, Celebrate Recovery is a ministry, a community that was born out of our conviction that everyone is recovering from something. Uh, Along with the worship service, the breakout classes that they have, they also have classes for children, and they also have a service, a worship service for students, for teenagers, who may themselves be going through recovery or may be in a family where someone else is going through recovery. And so on Thursday nights, if you ever drive by and you think, well, what are all those people doing at the church? Like, are they getting ready for the weekend? What's going on? No, that's a community that gathers here each and every week, a community that has the capacity to bless and minister to people of all ages within the scope of a family that may be dealing with recovery. And God is writing new chapters in life-changing stories every single Thursday, and you may know nothing about it. You're on your way to go get dinner, and you're like, what's that? That's what's happening here in the life of your church on Thursday nights every single week, our Celebrate Recovery community. The second community is that I want to tell you about is the Well community. They meet Sunday morning at 11 o'clock in our chapel. Some of you don't even know we have a chapel. It's over there. There's a chapel over there. Uh, this community ha- has experienced such growth that over the course of time, we actually added a second venue for this community, which is the Well Cafe. Uh, this meets upstairs in our loft space uh, where our youth uh, worship uh, during the week. Uh, the, there's two 
bands that lead uh, those two environments, one downstairs, one upstairs, and then there's one pastor who preaches in the chapel, and that message is broadcast live up to the Well Cafe. I don't know how it works, but it works every single week. It works every single week, and we love that it works every single week. It's awesome. Those who come to this service will talk about how they appreciate the casual environment. They, they appreciate the, the music. They, they appreciate the intimacy of the space. Uh, they'll talk about the coffee, and then they'll say, hey, the message is okay, and we like the music, and then they'll talk about the coffee again, and how much they love the coffee. What's really funny about this is it's the same coffee we serve everywhere else, but for some reason, man, it just tastes so good up in the cafe. I don't know what that is. But this is, a, this is a community that meets every single week here on our campus, uh, like all of our services. Every single service that we have here has people of all ages. That's another thing that people don't understand about our church. People of all ages attend all the different services that we have. That being said, we do see the Well and the Well Cafe as a, as a community that particularly connects with emerging generations which is part of the reason that we have uh, the finest young pastor I know leading that community. Pastor Johnny serves as the lead pastor there. It's also the community where we are empowering uh, emerging leaders uh, in the way that we are using them in the context of of this community. Again, meets every week, uh, something that you may or may not know about. The next two communities I want to tell you about are are communities that, again, I'm going to introduce some new language for you. Uh, the, the, The third one is one that meets in this space, Sunday morning at 8.15 and Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, okay? So you're the meat, they're, uh, uh, they're the bread. You got it? You're kind of sandwiched in between those two. Servers. I just came up with that. I'm very proud of that. You're, you're the meat, they're the bread. <laughs> if you were to set your clock wrong and walk in at the wrong time, you would be very confused, okay? You'd be very confused by what you hear and what you see. If this is your home service, if this is where you are used to connecting with your church, you would see that that box over there actually does something, that, that that's an organ, and it, that these things do things. They, they make noise, and you'd see a choir filled up here, and, and if you came at 11, you'd see a full orchestra, and you'd look over here, and you'd say, why is David dressed up like Luke Skywalker? I don't understand what's going on. It's, it's very different than what you experience. You'd be like, wow, the light it's working. It's crazy. It's so bright. It's, it's a different, different experience. You would hear some things. Again, if this is home for you, if this is what you think of as church, you would hear some things and you go, that sounds a little strange. It's called liturgy. It, it's something that we don't typically do in this environment. It may be a little bit foreign to you, but for those who call that service home, those elements feel like home. They feel like home. They remind them of the, the heritage of, of their faith. I mentioned at 8.15 that for me in my life and my own upbringing, when I hear these words, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is the one true church, apostolic and universal, whose holy faith let us now declare. I always hear that in, in, in the voice of my dad because that was his favorite affirmation of faith and we did it every single weekend. Some of you have no idea what I just said. But that reminds me of home. And so this community, uh, this is the language that we're going to use for this community. This is our traditions community. Now, this is Scott Farrell who directs uh, uh, the worship arts that we do in in this community. It is a community that not only celebrates the heritage of our faith, but a community that we believe is an important part of our future. 
And for that reason, among many reasons, I'm, I'm privileged to serve as a lead pastor for this community that meets again uh, two times on Sunday morning, 8.15 at 11 o'clock. The fourth community, uh, there's two opportunities to connect with this community. One is Saturday night at 6 o'clock. The other opportunity is Sunday morning at 9.30. It's a great service. I recommend you check it out sometime. <laughs> two opportunities to connect with this community. They meet here in this space. The music is very similar between those two. We have two different leaders uh, for that community. Stephanie leads uh, the 9.30 uh, gathering. Holly Brower leads uh, the Saturday night gathering. Again, I, I serve as the lead pastor uh, for, for those two services and for this community uh, called the Cornerstone Community. Now, some of you are thinking, where did that come from? I never heard Cornerstone before. I just introduced it. It's brand new. There it is, Cornerstone. Why Cornerstone? Well, Cornerstone is in the Bible. All right? Jesus is referred to as our cornerstone. That's in the Bible, so that's good. It's also the best name that we could come up with, okay? Just being honest with you, we like it. So from, from now, we're going to refer to this as our cornerstone community. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to look at this, and I want you to understand that the strength of your church is not any one of these individual communities. The strength of your church is all of these communities together. The strength of your church is when you look at what's happened over the course of this year. Again, go back to those, those big numbers. It's all of these things together. It's multiple worshiping communities coming together under one banner, the banner of Jesus the banner of making disciples of Jesus Christ who will love God, love others, and serve the world. The banner of go and change the world one life at a time. It isn't any of these individual parts. It is the whole. As we gather together, inviting people to connect with this church family in multiple ways, finding a place where they can call home, a community in which they feel like they are a part of, but underneath the singular banner of Christ, Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ inviting us to go and change the world one life at a time. Here's, here's how we would say that. We are multiple worshiping communities with Christ at the center. That is who you are. You may not know that. That may not have been clear to you before today, but that's who you are. That's who First Methodist Mansfield is. But one of the reasons that I wanted to go through all of that and show you all of that is because I want you to see that this is not only who you are, it's also where we are going. Because we believe that this is God's vision for our church family. It's not God's vision for every church family. Not every church does this. And not every church wants to do this. Because this is harder. <laughs> Would you hear that too? It's harder to do this. Uh, it would be easier as a church to say, well, we're just going to do one thing. And we're just going to do that one thing over and over again. But we are convinced that that is not God's vision for this church family. God's vision for this church family is multiple worship communities with Christ at the center. So if anything is going to happen in our future, it will be moving even further into this vision. Maybe introducing additional communities because we believe that this is God's vision. God's vision for our family of faith. This is what's special about you. And this is the value that you offer to the community 
that you serve and you seek to bless, is that you have a, you have a big banner, but you have multiple ways to live underneath that one banner. So with that, let me show you one more thing that you've already seen, but let me say a word about this thing that you've seen. You probably saw it in the video. You may have seen some shirts and thought, what in the world is, what in the world is that? This is the way that we are visually expressing what you just heard. It's a visual expression of multiple worshiping communities with Christ at the center. Now, you may wonder, where does that come from? Well, look up at that window, or look over at that window, or that window, and you may not have noticed this before, but there's a pattern that's repeated over and over again in those windows. That's what it is. It's stained glass with Christ at the center. Uh, Again, it's it's an expression of who you are, a way in which we want to visually express to our community, again, what's special about you and what is the unique value that you offer to the Mansfield community and the surrounding communities. Now, here's what I want you to hear very carefully. It's Labor Day weekend. There's people who are not here. People are going to see this next week and they're going to go, hey, you were here last week. What's this new thing? You're not going to say, oh, David's, we're becoming a whole new church. You know, we're, we're, (laughs) whoo. That's, don't do that, okay? This is who you already are. This is who you already are. And it is instead, it is instead our desire to better communicate to our community who we already are and what value, what value we offer to the community in which we live and in which we serve. Let me show you one more thing. Monday night, uh, we had a gathering of our executive lay leadership team. Uh, Those are the leaders uh, who make the key decisions in the life of our church. They're the ones who guide us and direct us. Uh, They're uh, they're the ones who, uh, everything that you've seen today, this is something they've been working on for about a year to help us better express to our church who we are, uh, to help us better communicate to our community. Again, what's the value uh, of our church? Uh, Monday night, uh, Barbara Berry walked in, and you may not know Barbara. She's a part of our traditions worship community. She actually sits right there. Okay, she sits right there. That's her seat. You're in, you're in Barbara's, Barbara and Lewin's seat right there. Um, Barbara, I'll just, this is how I'll explain my relationship to Barbara. When Barbara speaks, I listen. And the re- if you knew Barbara, you would be smart to do the same thing. And you would do that because you would know. You would just have this conviction that everything that Barbara speaks comes out of a deep devotion to Jesus and her commitment to you. That's just who she is. And so when she speaks, I listen. She, she walked in Monday night and she handed this to me. And she said, uh, Lewin and I were having Chinese food the other night and this was, uh, this was the fortune that he got and we decided it was for you. And the reason that they decided it was for me is because she knew what I was going to be sharing with you this weekend. And so she handed this to me. Now, I am not suggesting that you should make major life decisions based on what you may or may not get in your fortune at lunch today because you're now you're gonna want Chinese food but Barbara shared it with me and so I wanted to share it with you and the reason um, well let me just read it to you first Uh, you will become more passionate and determined about your vision now I know why Barbara gave that to me she gave that to me uh, the way I received it was this this was Barbara's prayer for me this this is for you was her way of saying this is this is what Lewin and I are praying for you And I wanted to share it with you because I want you to understand that this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for you as a church family, that you will become more passionate and more determined about the vision 
that God has given to you. The trap of success is complacency. And everything that I showed you a few moments ago, everything that speaks to what you have done as a family of faith, I want you to be proud of that. You should be proud of that. You should pat yourself on the back and say, wow, we've, things, have, things are happening here. This, this, we are living into the legacy that has been given. I want you to have that sense of pride in what you have done. It's okay. That's a good thing to be proud of what, how you have responded to God's invitation and what God is doing in the life of the church around you. But it's easy for us to forget in celebrating the thousands who have come to forget that there are thousands more who have yet to found a home. And I just want to challenge you, I just want to challenge you to remember that that we don't want to be the church that brings home the 99 and hopes that no one is paying attention to the one, to the recognition that we left one out in the cold. So I want you to hear, this is my prayer for you, that you'll become more passionate and more determined. You won't just sit back and say, wow, great things have happened before, but rather you'll hear the calling of Jesus who says there are more great things in store and I need you. I need you, church. I need you, church, to live into your vision. Go and change the world, Jesus says, one life at a time. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for the legacy of faith in which we live, for the great honor, Lord, of receiving from others the blessing of this church and this family. And we thank you, Lord, for the responsibility, the burden that creates for us as well. We pray, Lord, for faithfulness, that you'll help us in that, to do for others what others have done for us to be for others what others have been for us, to carry on the the vision of making disciples, changing the world, one life, one heart, one family at a time. Give us a burden, Lord. Give us a burden for so many more who search and struggle to find life, who experience pain and, and, and heartache and and are looking for healing and for hope. For people in our community, Lord, who need recovery, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be an open door, for that grace to to flood in, and for lives to change. May we continue to be, Lord, who you have made us to be, to follow your vision that you have given and placed in our hearts. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.